Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Shabbat Shalom v'chag Purim Sameach. A good Sabbath and a happy Purim holiday. Um, as uh, Rabbi mentioned earlier, today is known in Jewish tradition as Shabbat Zachor, uh, the Sabbath of Remembrance. It is one of four specially named Sabbaths leading up to Pesach. Uh, Shabbat Shekalim, which uh, reminds us of the importance of treating others with equality and with respect. And uh, Shabbat Zachor, which reminds us of the importance of resisting evil, as was very well explained and theologically accurately represented, in my opinion, by uh, Rabbi. Shabbat Para, uh, which reminds us of the red heifer and uh, Hashem's provision for purification and preparing ourselves uh, for the call to holiness. And Shabbat Hagadol, which reminds us of our deliverance from bondage to slavery in Egypt, which also obviously has other applications in our lives. It always occurs Shabbat Zachor, right before Purim. Uh, a special selection is read, which Rabbi mentioned. So he's actually taken most of my message. It's going to be a lot shorter. No, no, it's it's fine. It'll be a lot shorter. I'll, I'll find a way to stretch it out. I always do. <clears throat> uh, but uh, we want to... Um, Remember that what Amalek was, Amalek was accused of doing was um, being in the back. I think I can get this closer somehow. Being in the back of the uh, coming and attacking the, those in the rear uh, of the Israelites who were traveling to the promised land and uh, picking off the stragglers. So uh, you stragglers. No, I'm just kidding. If, if you're a straggler, be careful. Um, now, the book of Esther uh, tells us that the antagonist, the antagonist of the book of Esther, I'm not going to mention his name, lest I get a really difficult response. Here we go. No, I don't know. It's not, not working the way it typically does, but we're going to live with it, that um, he was an Agagite. It says in the, in the book of Esther that he was an Agagite, which would have made him a descendant of King Agag, whom King Saul was supposed to kill, and Samuel corrected him, took away his, uh, his throne, actually, and uh, and ripped his his garment to show that this was how his kingdom would be taken away. But 
So if the and if the antagonist of Esther is an Agagite, it must mean that he loud allowed, meaning King Saul allowed some of the descendants. You know what? So uh, they must not have, Saul must not have killed all the descendants of Agag as he was supposed to, because here's, you know, this uh, antagonist in Esther who uh, is an Agagite. So somebody must have survived. And Agag, King Agag, was the king of the Amalekites. So this antagonist was an Amalekite. So that's why I think we read uh, this section of Deuteronomy to remember the Amalekites, uh, and to uh, blot out their memory. So um, I want to draw your attention to at least one dimension of the story of our heroine, Hadassah, because that was her Hebrew name, Hadassah, which means myrtle, so it's a type of tree, uh, who became known as Esther. When Hadassah was preparing to go meet King Ahasuerus, uh, her adopted father, Uncle Mordecai, who's her uncle, but he adopted her, cautioned her not to divulge her heritage to anyone in the king's house. The name Esther is derived from the Hebrew root Samech Haf Reish, which means hidden, hidden, leading to the title of this message, Hidden Things, the Secret of the Secret Place. The Secret of the Secret Place. Maybe it's this little clip that I thought was helping me is maybe hurting me. I don't know. Okay, the Secret of the Secret Place. Hadassah became Esther. She became hidden. She hid her identity, not as if she were ashamed of it, but following Mordecai's advice, she became part of a divine strategy and a great story in which the true protagonist's identity is hidden throughout the entire book. Throughout the book of Esther, the name of Hashem is not mentioned once, though the evidence of his presence is revealed in the circumstances surrounding the deliverance of the Jewish people from the schemes of a powerful enemy. It is throughout that very hiddenness, it is through that very hiddenness that the power of Hashem strikes at the proper time when that which is hidden is ultimately revealed. Now, this might remind you of uh, an important scripture from another place in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 29, 28, which reads, Things which are hidden belong to Adonai, our God, but the things that have been revealed belong to us and our children forever, so that we can observe all the words of this Torah. Notice that the things that are revealed are for our obedience. Clearly, there are things that are hidden, and we commend those things that are difficult to understand, unknown things. We commend these things to Hashem, that He may be glorified in times to come when they are revealed. Yeshua gave a parable in Matthew 13, verse 44. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure 
hidden in a field. A man found it, hid it again, in great joy, went and sold everything he owned and bought the field. Have you found the great treasure, the great truth of a heavenly kingdom and a king who came to establish his kingdom and then returned, returned to heaven, waiting, hidden in heaven, awaiting the right time for the restoration of all things? Have you sold everything you own? in order to purchase the assurance of a place in that kingdom. Jeremiah 29 says, When you call to me and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's selling everything you own to be in that secret place with him. The man who is purchasing that field did not run around announcing what he had found, at least not until after he had established the ownership of the field. He hid those things. He hid what he had found until he had established that he could own them. The Apostle Paul, whom we Messianics have affectionately called Rav Shaul, imitated Esther in 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 33, I'm not going to read all those verses, but Paul, not seeking his own desire, looked out for the interests of others so that they may be saved. This is a strategy that we all can benefit from. Pursuing your own happiness is a natural right. We have a right to the pursuit of happiness, guaranteed in our, in our Declaration of Independence and in our Constitution. But uh, Rav Shaul subdued his own right to his own desires in order to promote what was better for others. So the Hebrew word for hidden away, Samach Tavresh, is found also in Psalm 91, verse 1. lonan. You who live in the shelter or the secret place of Elyon, the Most High, who spend your nights in the shadow of Shaddai, who says to Adonai, who say to Adonai, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he will rescue you from the trap of the hunter, from the plague of calamities. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge his truth is a shield and a protection. Seter Elyon, the secret place or the hidden place of the Most High God. This is not saying that you won't experience calamities, but you will be protected in the midst of them. It's saying that your experience of those calamities will be bearable because you will be hidden from the harsh, unforgiving jabs of the fiery darts that come against you. It's realizing that even if your enemies bring about destruction and even your untimely death, you will walk through that valley without fear, knowing that the Most High God is with you. 
Even your worst suffering is familiar to him. And your identification with Yeshua raises you up and causes you to be seated with him in heavenly places. 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we have suffered with him, we shall also reign with him. Evidently, King David knew about this secret place of the Most High. He commended it to all who have read this psalm. The scriptures tell us that David had a heart for God. Do we have a heart for God? Yeshua told us what our frame of mind must be in order to come into this secret place. In Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, we read, Meanwhile, as a crowd in the tens of thousands, nearly numbering the number that are here today, so closely as to trample each other down, be careful when you leave, Yeshua began to say to his Tommy Deem, his disciples, guard yourselves from the chametz of the Proshim, the leaven of the Pharisees, which means their hypocrisy. There is another page between that one and the one I turn to. There is nothing covered up that will not be uncovered or hidden that will not become known. What you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed in the housetops. He said, my friends, I tell you, don't fear those who kill the body, but then have nothing more they can do. I will show you whom to fear. Fear him who, after killing you, has authority to throw you into Gehinom, the fiery furnace, the fire of Gehinom. Yes, I tell you, this is the one to fear. King, Davis told, King David told us about Seter Elyon. Now, I would like to take you to that place, Seter Elyon, the secret place of the Most High. This body, the assembly in which you all are participating right now is a powerful testimony of the power of Hashem. Rav Shaul wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, 23 through 25, if the whole congregation comes together with everybody speaking in tongues and uninstructed people or unbelievers come in, won't they say you are crazy? But if you all prophesy and some unbeliever or uninstructed person enters, he is convicted of sin by all. He is brought under judgment by all. And the secrets of his heart are laid bare. So he falls on his face and worships God, saying, God is really here among you. Are we a prophetic body? What is prophecy if it's not declaring the truth of God? 
Prophecy is declaring the truth of God. Paul told the Corinthian believers, As for me, brothers, when I arrived among you, it was not with surpassing eloquence of wisdom that I came announcing to you the previously concealed truth about God, previously concealed truth. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Yeshua the Messiah and even him, only as someone who had been executed on a stake as a criminal. What is the blessing of his execution? It's forgiveness of sins. It's the entrance through the door into the kingdom. When we share together the covenant of Yeshua, we proclaim his death until he returns. This is the prophetic word that lives in this and everybody where Yeshua is honored, that we are covenantally committed and bound to one another in the death and resurrection of Yeshua. How many people remember John 666? That should be a good address to remember, right? I mean, if you knew there was such a verse, you would probably want to know what it said. John 666, right? It says, from this time on, many of his Tamidim turned back and no longer traveled with him. It's a sad verse. Why did they turn back? It was because Yeshua had said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I live in him. A hard saying. But he explained, his words are spirit and life. When we eat the broken bread, the bread is the symbol of a greater reality. The reality behind that symbol is his words dwelling in us, his body. His words dwelling in us. He has planted his word within each of us and within us as a body. We are the body of Yeshua. Each member of this body functions in the capacity that he or she has been given. When we drink the cup, the greater reality is that we share in the eternal life that flows from Yeshua, making our spirits alive to the truth. Because Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life. This prophetic declaration of the crucified Messiah, when we partake, tests each person. If you partake without acknowledging the covenantal sharing together of each one of us, then you are drinking unworthily. And Paul tells us that this unworthy drinking is a reason why sometimes there are people who are sick among us, and sometimes people die. That's why we partake together of the body and the blood of Yeshua every time we take a moment, we take a time to examine ourselves, a moment to examine. Am I committed to this role that I have as a member of the body of Yeshua?
If when I come to offer my gift at the altar, the gift of my body, as a living sacrifice, I remember that I have a problem with my brother or that my brother has a problem with me, I leave my gift at the altar, I go and reconcile with my brother, and then I come and offer my gift. I think you could do the same thing by simply saying, you know what, I need to take care of this. And then go ahead and partake of the bread and the wine. But uh, it's a commitment to take care of it when you have ought or know that someone has ought with you. When you look your brother or sister in the eye, do you see the face of Hashem? I was in a service while we were in Israel, and people were crying out, we want to see your face, O Lord. I want to see your face. And I thought, look in the eyes of your brother and sister. This is where you ought to be able to see the face of Yeshem, because this is where Yeshua lives. This is the secret place, the hidden place of the Most High. When we dwell in this place, it doesn't matter what storms are going on outside or how loud the guy with the megaphone is across the street or the wind and the rain that thankfully are not here today. Here we share Yeshua. If you're here to share Yeshua, or we put aside every right to our own desires, then you are welcome. This year, as you read the Megillah, the book of Esther, remember the secret of the secret place. Remember the commitment that that is called on for each, that each one of us are called to make as we share in that secret and enjoy the power of a testimony that will cause people to fall on their face and say, God is surely in you of a truth. Amen. Amen.